0: privileged, the brain behind all the life groups, the man who has done all the work studying and um, has brought this to our church. Pastor Matt is coming to address us uh, on this life group Sunday because certainly we are better together. Thanks, Pastor Jeff. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you here this morning, and I'm so excited to uh, be sharing the Word of God today before we have our sign-ups. Again, yeah, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here, and I do small groups as well at church. And uh, if you're here for the first time, thanks for joining us today. And you'll have the opportunity to sign up too. Um, you know, But like we've said, we're, we, we can't do life alone. We're better together. And so we're doing this Kind of semester model where we meet for a period of time and then take a break, and so there was some really great stuff that happened in the fall in our groups. you know there were new people that plugged into our church. we had over a hundred people in our church actually be part of a group in person or virtual, which was awesome. but we had people who maybe never even attended our church on a Sunday before, but came out to a group either in person or virtual, which was awesome. We had people some people found us online on the website, but Other people, just through personal relationships, hey, invited them to a group, and they came, and they were part of a group, which is awesome to see that happen. And other groups, too, you know, there were great relationships that were uh, made from life groups. You know, several people told me, hey, uh, you know, we, we knew of each other in church. We had known of each other, but, man, we really got to know each other in these groups, and it's really cool to see how relationships, deeper relationships of trust and accountability were formed, in life groups and uh, we did some community projects as well I'll talk about that a little bit at the end and so you know after the sermon today we'll all have the opportunity like we said uh, we've got in-person life groups here virtual life groups in the cafe and even if you're watching online you can sign up online you go to freeholdag.com slash life groups you can do it uh, right now even and so man we really encourage you to be part of one we've got a group every single day of the week that's happening lots of different topics and so just see what works for you see what you can make part of your schedule and be part of a life group now many of you probably know that i play the drums uh, because i play on sundays but what many of you probably don't know is that i also can play the trumpet believe it or not uh yeah i play the trumpet and um i'm not going to play now okay so this isn't mine shout out to heather for getting this trumpet for me (laughs) she's a music teacher i was like yo can you get this so, you know, uh, this is it. And I do remember how to play. Uh, I, could, I, I was practicing before doing the C scale. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Anyway, so, uh, you know, I can still play. The, the, really, the trick is if you haven't played for a while, like, your lips get kind of swollen. You need a couple days or maybe like a week, kind of get right back into it. So um, I started playing the trumpet when I was younger. Actually, my, my mom plays the drums and my dad plays trumpet. And so when I was young, I just, like, wanted to emulate them, I guess, both, you know, so I want to show this to you real quick. This is my trumpet career, okay? So I started in fourth grade, started playing trumpet, and I had this music teacher, Mr. Schmaus. He was like the nicest guy, and, you know, he, he was super nice. In elementary school, and I loved playing, you know, trumpet and at the concerts and all that stuff. So then I continued in seventh and eighth grade, and then you see again, tenth and eleventh grade. Those are all the years that I played trumpet. So, you know, you see some gaps there. You may wonder you know, Matt, what's up with the inconsistency? I mean, you could look at that and say, actually, you could argue I'm very consistent because, you know, I seem to, (laughs) there's a pattern. It's like every two years. But what happened is this, is uh, after fifth grade, my family moved and we went to a new school system. And you know what all the adults tell you? They're like, oh, this is a great age. Like, meet some new people. Like, you're gonna meet all the kids. But I'm going into sixth grade. Like, I'm scared. I don't wanna meet new people. So I was so afraid of like, meeting somebody that I didn't know that I just didn't even join band. I thought, like, well, what if they're all better than me? Like, I I don't know. Like, you're just a kid, and you're, you're scared. So after making a few friends, I joined band again, playing trumpet, and um, then you think I would have gotten over it, but I did the same thing in ninth grade. I was afraid to join band. And I didn't change school systems that time, but uh, you had to be a marching band. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle this. Like, so I did the same thing in ninth grade uh, and whatever. So the point is this, though. Sometimes I can even be afraid to meet uh, new people. Like, You know, uh, you may find that surprising. You're like, wait, aren't you the guy on the stage right now? Like, Don't you know? Uh, you know, you don't like talking to new people? Yeah, sometimes it can be a little out of my comfort zone. Some of the young adults are probably like, what are you talking about? Because I'm always, I'm always, anytime there's somebody new in church, I say, hey, can you go talk to them, whatever. I'm always pushing them. So like, really, Matt? You, is that like out of your comfort zone? Yeah. You know, for me, sometimes meeting somebody that I don't know can be out of my comfort zone. But I think that's true for probably many of us, if not most of us at times. You know, we can be a little intimidated to get out of our comfort zone, meet somebody that we don't know. And so actually I'd say it like this, you know, for those of you who like to take notes, this is kind of the first thing. We're tempted to be tribal. That's kind of a way that I would like to say, and I'm using this language on purpose, but we're tempted to be tribal. You know, when we meet new people, maybe when you start a new job, or even today possibly it could be first time in church or first time in a while. It can be intimidating, you know, it could be scary. I don't know anybody, like what if they talk to me, you know. Sometimes just going out of our comfort zone can, can be a little bit uncomfortable, and we're tempted to be tribal. But I think there's a few reasons for this. Why is it? It becomes a comfort zone a little bit, but I think there's many reasons, but here's a few. You know, we're tempted to be tribal because we're afraid of being open. We're afraid of being open. We're afraid of being vulnerable. And, and why are we afraid of being vulnerable? Really, it's because we're afraid of being hurt. And so, you know, even thinking of, like, a small group context or whatever, like, well, I'm, I'm afraid of meeting somebody I don't know. I'm afraid, what happens if I, if I share this? How is this going to, is this going to come back to me? You know, if I say this, it, what's the pastor going to think? What if the pastor finds out? What if, what if my family finds out that, like, I said this in the group and everything? Like, I'm, I'm afraid. What if these people, what if they judge me? You know, what, what if they, what if that's how they define me now? I, I kind of share, you know, something's going on in my life or this happened one time in the past and, hey, whatever, God's moving and, and now they hold it over me. Some of us in the room probably have even experienced that in a church setting somewhere and, and you shared something before and maybe you felt judged, you felt condemned, you felt like this is, that has now defined you, this is who you are, that's how they viewed you. And that's legitimate. Sometimes we may be afraid to be open simply just, though, because we haven't dealt with it ourselves yet, though. You know, so being in a group, being in community with other people, is like maybe I'm going through something, and I actually haven't come to terms with that yet, and I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to identify it. I don't want to put my finger on it yet. And so actually, I don't want to open up. I don't want to be vulnerable. I'm not ready for that. And so we're tempted to just be tribal, kind of stay in our lines. Why else? I think there's multiple reasons. I put it this way, we're afraid of being ostracized. We're afraid of being associated. This is like how our culture's thinking right now, you know. What would my friends think, like, if I was part of that Christian group? Like, that, that's weird, like, I don't know. Or today, you know, it's, it's like, okay, well, what if I'm in a group with people that I think, because I don't actually know, but I think they voted this way, which means if they voted that way, they must think this. And so if I go to that group, people are going to associate with them. And then they're not going to talk to me anymore because they're going to think I'm one of those crazies. And so I don't know. I don't want to be ostracized from my friend. I'll just hang out with my group I already know. I'm just going to hang out with the people who are like me. And so we're afraid of being associated or ostracized. Now if I were to push back a little bit on this, I'd say, maybe really we're afraid of what people think. That's what it really is. And, and really, if you think about it, you're, letting, uh, you're, you're you're letting what you think other people's perception of you define how you live your life. You're letting how you think other people's perception of you might be define how you live. And so yeah, we're tempted to just kind of stay in our zone, stay with the people that we know. We're tribal. We're also this, we can be afraid of being accountable, afraid of of being challenged. We may be afraid to grow, you know, even thinking of this trumpet analogy. So I, you know, in school, if if you were in band, you probably did this, you know, you had uh, lessons during the day, you know, a couple, I don't know how often it was, once a month maybe or something. And you got to leave class early. And I never understood the kids who hated that. They're like, oh, I hate going to lessons. I'm like, what are you talking about? I leave boring bi- biology class and I go goof off in the practice room with my friends. Like, what's the big deal? But, you know, if, if I'm using this analogy, if I, if I leave class early and I go to the practice room and there's no teacher and there's like three or four of us and, you know, none of us are like, we're all like, say, second trumpet. So we're not the best. We're not the worst. We just kind of sit there and goof off and tell some jokes and mess around a little bit and then leave. I didn't really get any better. I didn't know the music any better. I didn't grow. I wasn't challenged at all. And so even in real life or, or in a spiritual sense, maybe I, I don't want to be challenged. If I only am with people who are exactly like me, there's no growth in that. And spiritually speaking, again with a group, you know, maybe you could feel that way. Like, well, look, I wouldn't mind, but what if, what if they're more serious than me? What if somebody wants to pray for like, I don't know, like more than a minute? Like, I, I don't, I don't like doing that. Or what if, what if, what if like I have to read my Bible and then and then next week they ask me, hey Matt, did you read your Bible? You know, did God speak to you? What did it mean to you? And I'd have to keep up with that. Like, I don't know if I want to, you know, introduce that to my schedule right now. Like. I'm afraid of being accountable, I'm afraid of growing, and so I'll just not be part of any group, I'll just stay in my own group with my own people, we're tempted to be tribal. And so today, I want to speak to this idea, when it comes to groups, you know, and and being tribal, What, what happens if I'm in a group with somebody different than me, that's scary. But I want to say this today, you know, Jesus wants us to grow beyond our tribes, Jesus wants us to grow beyond our tribes. And I'm kind of using this terminology, you know, I I was watching a show and at the end they said, you know, they're like, oh, once we find our tribe, you know, then we can really thrive, then we belong, you know, what we have to find our people. Once we find our people, then, you know, but Jesus wants us to grow beyond our tribes. You know, we'll see this in scripture that it's not just okay if you meet somebody who's different than you, that's actually good. That's actually what Jesus wants to do in your life. I think of Jesus' words in John 13. He says, by your love for one another, you'll prove to the world that you're my disciples, your love for each other. And I think even more so than this, this is a prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe in him, Jesus prayed this prayer specifically for you and for me. I don't know if you know that, that Jesus prayed for you and for me. Here's what he said. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So that's us in the room right now. If you believe in Jesus, Jesus prayed this for us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus prayed that we would be united. Jesus prayed that we would grow beyond our tribes. This is such a powerful prayer. And so the main text that we're going to be in today, it's in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. It will be on the screen. This is possibly one of my favorite books of the Bible, actually, Ephesians. Uh, Many of my favorite scriptures are in here. But the Apostle Paul wrote this to Christians who lived in the city of Ephesus. That's why we call it that. It's a letter that he wrote to um, Christians at that time. And you can actually read about how he started this church. It's in Acts chapter 19. Paul went there for a period of time. He started a church, and then eventually he leaves. He goes to prison, and he writes this letter to them. And, And that's what we have in our Bibles today. And in this letter, Paul is summarizing the gospel story and then talking about how it should reshape every part of our story. He summarizes the gospel story and then talks about how it should reshape every part of our story. And I think you'll kind of see that in this passage that we read today, this main passage in Ephesians 2. It's going to have significance for us today as we talk about small groups and stuff. So let's start. We're starting in verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ, You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So what's going on? There's there's so much, actually, in this passage that we're not going to get to unpack today, but for the context of what we're talking about with groups and stuff. You know, he's talking about Gentiles and Jews If you don't know, there's there's Jews and Gentiles just means non-Jews. Okay, so very different, but here's kind of a way we could say it using the terminology we've used so far. Tribes don't produce peace. Tribes don't produce peace. Paul was a Jewish Pharisee who uh, met Jesus and Jesus changed his life and so now he's a follower of Jesus and he plants these churches and so as he's planting churches, there are Jewish people who become believers in Jesus and there are Gentiles, non-Jewish people who become believers in Jesus and Jews and Gentiles were very different from one another. Their value system, their way of life was completely different from one another. And, you know, many of us in the room, we have different backgrounds and experiences, but I, I don't think the gap is quite as big as it was between these two groups of people. This whole week, I had the opportunity to be on a virtual missions experience to India. It was pretty cool. And, you know, Indian culture is very different from our culture. There's actually like a bunch of different things that make up Indian culture. They're not all the same, but you know, the, their value system, the way that they see family, the way that they, uh, the, their religious life and, and the food they eat and how they sleep and live, it's completely different than us, just 100% different. And so it's, it's kind of like that, like our, our value systems, our way of life, completely different. And so anytime those two groups are going to come together, there's going to be some kind of clash, you know, it's going to be, it's, a little problematic in one way or another. And so Paul is saying that Jesus, he restores us to God, but he kind of has a word for the Jews. He says, Hey, guess what? You, just because your value system, your way of life doesn't make you any closer to God. It didn't change your hearts. And he goes, Hey, you Gentiles, hey, remember where you came from. You don't deserve to be included in this. You don't deserve the gospel. God just in his mercy, you know, in his grace poured it out on you. You are now included. But here's what he says in verse 13. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Now Christ has brought you near to God. He didn't deserve that, but wow, now Jesus has restored our relationship with God. And in the previous verse, he said, you were living in this world without God and without hope. You may be in the room today, And maybe you're not a Christian or you're not sure what you think about God, where you land on this stuff right now. And I think we've all seen what it's like to live in a world without God, without hope, in a pandemic, with political unrest, with racial and social injustice going on. We see what's happening, our world living without God, and really how that means living without hope. But if you're here today and you don't have that hope in God, I believe that you can have that today. Paul says you can have it. That's the whole point. If you're Jewish or you're not Jewish, it doesn't matter what your background or your experiences or your values are. Anybody can come to Jesus Christ and you can have that hope in God today. But he goes on in verse 14. He says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. There's so much, again, that we can really unpack in this verse. But, you know, it says Christ himself brought peace. Most other translations, if you're reading along in your Bible, probably says Christ himself is our peace. And so peace doesn't come from us all thinking the same thing. Peace doesn't come from, well, if we could all just vote the same way, then we would have peace around here. That's not how it works. Peace doesn't come from us all having the exact same theology. Well, are they Pentecostal? I mean, do they believe in speaking in tongues? Or like, well, what are they, Calvinist? I mean, I don't know if we, yeah, that, that's not where peace and unity comes from. Peace and unity comes from Jesus. Jesus is the prince of peace. That's where peace and unity comes from. And Jesus, it says that he broke down the dividing wall that was between us. So you're here today, you say, well, I don't know. I'm kind of afraid of meeting somebody different than me. Like, well, I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I'm into that. That's like a lot. Jesus died on the cross. It says his own body on the cross. That's what broke down the dividing wall between these two people groups. Jesus has broken down the barrier. He did that for Jewish people and for Gentiles. And and that's what Paul's talking about right now, Jews and Gentiles. The gap between those two people is pretty huge. And so how about for all of us in the room right now, I don't know if the gap is that big between us. Jesus died on the cross so that that division would not be between us anymore. And so if we really want to ask a critical question and kind of look inward at ourselves, we could ask this, you know, am I doing anything to add division? Am I drawing a line in the sand somewhere? Am I tempted, am I giving into that temptation to be tribal? Am I putting up a wall where Jesus died to destroy it. You know, how can you be Christian and fill in the blank? You know, I just don't understand how someone could just fill in the blank. You know, if you think that, then honestly, I don't even want to talk to you. Well, I don't really agree with them, so I don't really want to hang out around them. These are all examples of putting up walls where Jesus died to tear it down. Am I guilty of doing that? We're tempted to be tribal. Jesus desires peace and unity in his church. But how does Jesus accomplish this? How does he do it? He wants us to grow beyond our tribes. How do we do this? The goal isn't to become like one another, the goal is to become like Jesus. And man, if you, if you remember anything from this today, I really hope this is what you remember. The goal is not to become like one another it's to become like Jesus. That passage says that he's making a new people from the two groups. He's making one new man, one new people group. And for those of you who like, you know, the, the original language or you kind of dive in into that, that's pretty cool that the word used, used there for new, he's making a new people group, a new a new humanity. That word new, new is kynon. It means fresh or new in quality or character, not in like uh, time in recency, so not 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 like oh, it's the newest movie they just put out, but like it's new, it's fresh, it's unique. There's never been something like this before. Jesus is making a new humanity. There's no longer Jews or Gentiles; it's Christian. That's what he's creating. And so, being in a small group, being in a life group, it's not about me, you know, bending my will to someone else. I just got to think like the rest of these people. Group think over here, no. And being in a small group isn't so I can make everybody else think like me. And some of us maybe need to hear that. I need to hear that. Being in a small group isn't so I can become like you or you can become like me. It's so all of us can become like Jesus. That's what it's about. Jesus is creating a new people, a new group, a new humanity, a new type of humanity where we love each other, even if we have different experiences, where our differences are not a division between us, but instead an expression of the wonderful God who created each of us uniquely, a new type of humanity where all of us have a role to play, all of us have a part to play in what God wants to do in his church and in the world, a new type of humanity where we lay our lives down for one another. It's not about me becoming like you or you becoming like me. It's about all of us becoming like Jesus. And so, man, you can take that attitude into a small group. Wow, what happens if there's someone different than me? I don't know. I don't know if I agree with them. I don't know. I don't want to be challenged. I'm afraid of being challenged. I'm afraid of being open. Well, take this attitude in. You know what, Lord? They are different than me. There's somebody here. They've got a different value system than me. They've got a different background than me, Lord. But how can I become more like you now, Jesus? How can we all become more like you? And look what he says in the next verse. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. You put it this way peace and unity are the product of Christ's constant transformation. Peace and unity are the product of Christ's constant transformation. It's not just one and done, it's not just, well, I think I'm Christian now, so I think I'm good. No, I have to allow Jesus to continually make me into a new person and make us into that new type of humanity, that new type of group. Yes, it's easier to stay in our tribal lines and kind of say, well, I don't want to open up. Well, I don't want to be you know, associated with them. I don't want to be you know, what, uh, uh, accountable. But no, Jesus wants us to grow beyond our tribes and continually transform us in this new way. Jesus prayed for this. We read it earlier. Jesus lived for this. Paul says that's what Jesus died for. And now he empowers us through his Holy Spirit to live this out. And so being part of a small group, man, that's awesome. That's awesome because now that's how God continues to to transform my life. And that's kind of the next thing for us today. In a life group, my life is transformed. That's part of the, you know, kind of the Stick around the name, right? Life group, it's a, it gives you life. I mean, it's a small group. It's a life group. My life is transformed in a life group. Look at, we're going to go down to verse 19, and look at the, look what he says, but look at the corporate language that Paul uses in this passage. It says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. This is how the Spirit of God works, in community. And it's tempting to dismiss myself. something tempting to say, well, my, my schedule won't allow it, or maybe later on I'll, I'll, I'll think about this. Or, you know what, man, I'll just I'll read the Bible and do what it says. Uh, you know, groups, thats like, I'm not a people person. Well, newsflash, you can't read the Bible and do what it says if you're not in community. That <laughs> It tells you to be in community. It assumes you're in community, and half of its instructions are about what you do in community, how to, how to live in community. And so, man, that's how we obey God's Word, and it's how we're transformed. Being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, means being in community, being part of God's family. You can't do life alone, and you weren't meant to do life alone. We're better together. And, you know, huge shout out again to, uh, to Lori and, and Chanel who shared their stories. We played their videos earlier this week. I mean, that was so cool for them to share what God had done in their life. Hey, just going to a group, you know, I, I met some people and it was cool. Man, I, I felt like I started to experience some healing in my life where I needed it. And man, they shared how God is continuing to transform them just in a group. And that's awesome because that's what we see. In a life group, someone can support me. But also, in a life group, I can support someone else. And that's kind of our next point here. In a life group, someone else's life is transformed. In a life group, my life's transformed, but someone else's life is transformed. Again, and we'll kind of finish the passage here, what Paul's saying. He says, We're carefully joined together in Him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through Him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling. Where God lives by his spirit. But look at look at the progressive language he's using. We're becoming a holy temple. We're being made part of it. Being part of the church, it, Christian community is, is constantly growing. It's it's a living organism where new people are constantly being added to it. Man, it's something that keeps growing. I, I actually I heard this a few weeks ago. Christianity is the most ethnically diverse religious movement in human history christianity is the most ethnically diverse movement in human history and that's no accident because everybody is welcome to come to god everybody can be included in this new type of humanity where we love each other and peace and unity is found in jesus and look what it says too it says that we're carefully joined together carefully joined together so we each have a part to play look I play the trumpet, okay? Or I can play the trumpet. It's been a little bit, but I can do it. You know, if we all played the trumpet in this room, it'd be, we probably could come up with something pretty cool. We definitely could. Uh, It'd be really, really loud in here. (laughs) But really what sounds better is when we all play the different instruments and the different giftings that God is giving us. Like I can play the trumpet, Pastor Jamal plays the drums. I mean, somebody else plays saxophone. Somebody else plays clarinet, violin, right? And now we bring all these things together and now we're this symphony with Jesus directing us in the music that he wants us to play. We all have a part. We're carefully joined together. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. We all play the same instrument. We all think the same way. But no, it's Jesus using us to do something. Each of us has a unique part to play in our groups. And each of our groups have a unique part to play in what God wants to do in the world. That's one of the things that's really cool. And Pastor Bonnie, you can come and give us some music when you're ready there. But um, in a life group, we have the opportunity to make a tangible impact in our community. That's something that's happened. Every single one of our life groups has done some type of community project, and that ranges to so many different things. You know, we had stress relief blessing baskets for a hospital unit, Thanksgiving baskets for needy families. We went. Some of them were personal connections. Some of them were through a school system. Uh, we, uh, some groups collected food for the Jackson Food Pantry, launched a telephone reassurance program, we assembled blessing bags for the homeless. Uh, we even reached out to individuals who maybe were in need of financial help or uh, lost a job from COVID or different things. We're able to reach out. Our church, through all these different groups, is able to reach out and make a difference in these tangible ways in our communities. More than just making a Facebook post or making an Instagram story about my opinion about something. And, and sometimes we need to do that. But men in a group, we have the opportunity to go beyond that to grow beyond our tribes and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus says, your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples. Jesus prayed that we would be united so that the world would believe that God sent him, that he is who he says he is. I love this uh, quote from Francis Chan. He said, you know, people should look at the church and say, what is up with you guys? Because you keep offending each other, but you keep forgiving each other. What is going on over there? And that's how people should look at us. I pray that that would be our church, that we would live out that unity that Jesus prayed for. And so we said we're tempted to be tribal. You know, it makes sense. We can be afraid of being open or vulnerable, you know, ostracized or or being accountable, being challenged to grow. But Jesus wants us to grow beyond our tribes. The goal isn't to become like each other. The goal is to become like Jesus. And peace and unity, it's not from uniformity. It's not from all thinking the same way. It's the product of Christ's constant transformation. And so guess what? In a life group, man, my life is transformed and someone else's life is transformed. I think that's so awesome. Maybe a way you could sum it up is saying that we're just better together. We're better together. And so what I want to do, I want to invite um, all of our life group leaders that are in the room, if you guys can come up to the front. I just want to pray over you guys as we get ready here. You can kind of line up wherever. I guess you can even go to a table if your table's up here. But I want to pray for you guys and everyone in the room. You can stand to your feet if you're able. If you can join me in prayer as we pray for all of our groups and our group leaders. If you guys don't have a table up here, that's fine. You can just stand in front of a table but I want us to join together and and pray over our groups. You know, we've got so many great ones that you can be part of. Um, Rich and Jimmy are, once again, leading Fresh Start, and this is on Sunday morning. So, again, as far as adjusting your schedule, maybe this is a really great one to join. Kind of talking about some some of the fundamentals of faith, and it's a great place to ask questions. Maybe you've been afraid to ask in church, like, what is, you know, what? don't know much about the holy spirit or 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 uh, uh, that we believe in a trinity or something like that or also it's just a great place to meet some other people who love the lord and so that's that may be a great group to be part of also ray and joan christensen they're leading a senior bible study on tuesday afternoons and that's great because we really haven't had young at heart stuff right now like lunches and stuff with covid we, we just want to be sensitive to that and so it's great that they're going to lead a bible study uh, right here in the cafe And uh, you can be part of that. Hey, if you're here and you're a senior, this applies to you. God's not done doing what he wants to do in your life. You need to be in community. And so we've got a life group for you. And what's cool about that too, Ray has told me, depending on who signs up and the needs of that group, it could possibly uh, go virtual if needed. Uh, You know, there's some flexibility there. And so if that's you, hey, that could be a group that you can be part of. And also I love uh, Jeremy is leading a group as well. It's called Building a Relationship with God. And this is really cool they're going to be looking at Jesus and his relationship to the Father. How did, how did Jesus pray to God? And how, how did Jesus develop his relationship with God? And so how, how can that be a model for us? And so if you're here, maybe you believe in God, but this whole relationship thing has been, you're not sure, that could be a great group. Again, maybe it's just a great place to connect. It's virtual. That may work better for your schedule. Or even if you you do, you know you got a relationship with God. That's awesome. Hey, well, you could probably still grow and learn in that group. We've got so many different ones that you can be part of. We really encourage you to be part of a group because we're better together. And so if you wanna extend a handout with me, I wanna pray over our groups and then I'll dismiss everybody that we can sign up and check out what different ones are available. But Lord, we're so thankful for this time together, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, for godly community. Thank you for adopting us into your family. Jesus, your death on the cross has broken down the walls of hostility that existed between us and Jesus. I pray for all of our groups, Lord, that we would grow uh, for everybody who signs up, Lord God, that we would take our next step in our walk with you, that we would just grow a little bit. We'd be challenged just a little bit, Lord God, so you can continue to do what you wanna do in our lives, that we wouldn't become like one another, but Lord, we would become like you, Jesus. And I pray for all of our group leaders who are up front. I thank you, God, for their willingness to serve God, obviously taking time out of their schedule and preparing and leading people. And God, that's so awesome. I pray for your blessings on their life. I pray against the enemy, Lord God, who may want to come against them for being an influencer, for being somebody who's uh, stepping out in this way, Lord God. I pray that they would grow as well in their group, Lord, that they wouldn't have it in their heads. I got to make people like me, but instead, Lord, we would become like you, Jesus. Jesus, we declare today that we are that church, God, that we would be the answer to the prayer you prayed, God, that we would be united just like you asked us to be, Lord Jesus, so other people would know who you are, Jesus. Use our church to be that example of peace and unity, Lord God, so that other people would know who you are, Jesus. We're so thankful for this time together, Lord God. I pray there would be great conversations, Lord, and we ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.